0: They were O'Driscoll, Corgan, extra man, is Fitzgerald. Oh,
2: Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney out to Fitzgerald again, stepped and score.
0: Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Sattery, joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. And we have Stephen Ferris on the line for our Champions Cup preview, Ulster legend. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. And I guess the, the big story today is the news that Geordie Murphy looks likely to be going up north to play for Ulster next season. What do you make of the move?
1: Yeah, it's obviously uh, great news for the Ulster fans who have been crying out for a few of the, the Leinster back rows to come up across the border over the years. Um, I suppose Leinster is just blessed in the amount of talent that they have in the back row Um, and it is good to see somebody like Jordy potentially making that move Um, you know fair play to him I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision to make or um, hasn't been an easy decision to make but he's going to get a lot more game time if he's wearing an Ulster jersey next season Um, and obviously that's going to help him going forward to trying to Neil down a green jersey so it's it's good positive news and obviously with marty moore as well coming back from Wash. there's a couple of Leinster guys who are going to be playing for ulster next season hopefully and um yeah i think i think it's just i think it's quite ballsy from from Jordy murphy can considering you know it, it, i'm sure it is tough for him to cross the border and play for a rival province but um you know fair play to him, and i'm sure he'll add a lot of experience and uh, and also give something to Ulster that they've been missing this last couple of years.
0: It is a big step for guys to leave provinces because unlike say in England where it's a club, I, you know transfers are a lot more frequent. In Ireland, it's really where you're from. You grow up your whole life wanting to play for that province. So, what do you think the conversations were like with Jordy to kind of to get him to to move up? Would Joe Schmidt have been giving it a hard sell? Would it have been Les Kiss? How do you kind of think that would have gone?
2: I don't know, I mean, like, as Stevie says, like, it's always going to be a difficult move going to another province. Um, and I think if you look at Jordy's situation, he's probably been sitting, like, I mean, in, the, in all the big games, if Shawnee O'Brien's fit, you know, you're probably, and, and Jamie Heaslip's fit definitely for the last couple of years, um, you're probably battling for one position really there, you know, and then you got Rhys Ruddock playing brilliant rugby, so Dan Levy as well, um, you know, Jack Connor is a guy as well who's probably ahead of him, you know, so... At this point in time, anyway, and I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's exactly what Ulster need. Um, I think from Irish from an Irish rugby perspective and from Geordie's perspective, if he does make the move, I, I don't know if it hasn't been confirmed anywhere. But if he does make the move, um, obviously, it'd be sad to see him go. And he's you know such a quality player. But he's exactly what Ulster needs You know, and as Stevie said, you know with Marty Moore going there next year. I think it's a real testament to the coaching staff. I think you know Les Kiss has probably come in for a bit of stick um, in the last year or two uh, since he's got the job um, up in Ulster. And, and, you know, with the quality they have, you, you would like to see them do better. I just feel like they're lacking a few carriers for me. They're lacking in Stephen Ferris. Um, you know, they're lacking so we can get them over the gain line and the tight. They're just missing one or two of those guys. I mean, Ian Henderson, I think, has been shouldering that burden for them. Um, and I think someone like Jordy Murphy is a perfect uh, acquisition alongside um, Marty Moore, who I th- actually think was a big mistake for Leinster to let go. I mean, they're lucky that Porter looks like he's he's going to be filling that void behind um, Ty Furlong. Um, but I think he's a really good bit of business as well. So things are looking up and I think it's a testament to the coaching staff to have. I think those guys will want to work with John O'Gibbs. They've both worked with him before. They know he's a a brilliant coach and they both have worked with Les Kiss. So I think it's really good news for Ulster. I would still like to see them get one more carrier in there somewhere.
0: It's a funny one, Stephen. When you actually look at the standings, Ulster have won seven of their 10 Pro 12 games with one draw and and they've won one of their two European games. So on paper, it's actually been a... Pretty decent start to the season, but when you watch them play, you know they've they conceded ninety points in their last three league games to the Kings, to Treviso, and the Dragons. There's something not quite right. Like, how would you describe? <laughs> so, the, how would you describe the mood at the moment?
1: Um, from from a player's point of view, from uh, all the boys inside the camp, everything seems to be hunky dory. Everything seems to be everybody's in positive frame of mind, and everything's great. But I think the the reality is uh, that they're not really being honest with themselves. And they do know deep down that it's it's not all good. Um, you know, I think they've conceded 28 tries in the league this season. You know, in 2013-14 season, they conceded less than that in the whole season combined. So it's just you know their def- defensive um, mistakes that they're they're making is just really really schoolboy, uh, and nobody seems to be working as a as a collective, and, and it's very very evident on the pitch the, the the way the lads are going about their business that they don't seem to be enjoying the rugby so you know it, it's easy for Les Kiss to come on on a post-match interview again uh, you know after Andrew Trimble scores a last minute try to, to win the match which they didn't deserve to win um, and come on and talk about all the positive all these young guys getting on the pitch all these uh, you know there the were six caps in the back row that finished the game blah 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 and you know they, they got the win and yeah of course it is you know, that that's a massive positive to get the win. But I think all the Ulster fans want is a little bit of honesty, you know, and, and, and wants to come onto the post match interviews and say, Look, we weren't good enough tonight. You know, I think we've so much more to work on. If we play like that in Europe, then, you know, we're we're gonna get, get a, a heavy defeat. And that's all the kind of fans want. Instead of just kind of brushing over the cracks and papering over everything and just as if everything's really good and um, you know, we're watching the same games that the coaching staff are watching. We're not stupid; like we know when you concede over thirty points, you're not going to be happy with your performance. So, um, I think just a little bit of more honesty from the coaching staff in general is is, is going. From Good way to go forward for for Les Kess for sure.
2: Yeah, I think on that as well. Like it's okay for the likes of me and you. Like we know Les and we know John O'Gibbs. Like we know the guys and we know that they they will be doing that behind the scenes. We know what the meeting is going to be like on Monday. But yeah, I agree with you. I I look at a few. I mean, look at Kieran Keane for Connacht. Exactly, and, 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 you know, you. I just think like people actually. I think you have to appreciate that people want to hear you say because sometimes you need to be reassured as a as a supporter. Yeah. You're not, you know, they haven't been in the setups. They don't know that the coach is saying, Do you know, what, lads, this isn't this isn't. We can't get see 30 but we can't do that against teams that are like I mean against the top teams we're going to struggle and I think if you were an Ulster supporter you'd be saying you'd probably look at that Leinster match it's, for me that's the one where I would say do you know what maybe things aren't so great at, at the moment Ulster Ulster. picked quite a, a very strong team in that game as well they did and they just didn't perform you know and they got picked apart by I mean that Jordan-Larmore Lar- Troy was while it was unbelievably well taken, like I mean, to see in an inter-pro a guy running in from fifty meters, a twenty-one year old or whatever twenty-year-old, very unusual up in Ravenhill. I mean, usually it's you know you have to really work for your tries up there. You got to go through phase after phase. So I would say, I you know people want to hear you say, look, obviously you know we we won the game. You know if you're looking at the Dragons, we won the game, but we have lots of stuff we need to work on. Um, you know we, this and that. And I think I think Joe Schmidt's a good example of that. He is always he always, you know, while we ha- whatever we say about him being probably not taking enough, well, I always think he, should, he doesn't take enough credit on, on things. He doesn't take enough maybe of a positive spin on things. At least he's always, you he always say, geez, you know what? I know that guy's going to go in on Monday and be working the lads, making sure or even if they win the game, that they're still going to try and get better. So I, I agree with Steve. I think you look at it from a Connacht fan's pr- perspective at the moment. Some of the messages come from, from the coach there. I think they're really odd. You know, you need to make sure that the message is coming out to the public and to your supporters who are spending their money to go and watch you play is that, geez, yeah, the guys, you know, they might have scraped through, but we want to see them do better. We think there's more potential in this team. We want to hear the coach say that he's going to try and do better and fix these things. Well, yeah, you're talking
0: about honesty from coaching staff. Like, I've written down Kieran Keane's comments <laughs> here because I, I want to put them to both of you guys because I found them extremely unusual after Connacht lost his zebra at the weekend. It's a bit of a head-scratcher. Some individuals didn't endear themselves very well, did they? Some pretty average performances. The changing room is deathly quiet. Everybody is reflecting. I'm going to have to sit down and figure it out with the coaches. It's a head-scratcher for me. Like Stephen, that's very honest, but in almost a bad way. Is in he doesn't really know what's going wrong with Connack. Like so, you want a bit of a balance, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, the last thing a head coach is going to do is come out and completely criticise their team. Well, you you wouldn't like to think so. But um, he's come out there with some pretty odd kind of statements. Um, I think his his interviews in general, since he's arrived at Connacht, have been fairly. Um, fairly dodgy, <laughs> um, you know all these one one word answers to 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 the interviewer, and it just all seems a bit odd. I'm not sure if he's settled in, you know. Maybe maybe he's the problem. Maybe he's not just quite settled uh, down in Galway. But yeah, you know, obviously, Connor aren't, aren't aren't playing to what we've seen a couple of years ago when uh, when they won the league. But um, they've got a lot of talent in their group. Um, I think they need to go back again, like Ulster, to to their core values, to their culture to enjoy in the rugby and then you know hopefully the results will follow from that but yeah uh, to, to me to, to answer your question a, a fine balance um, a little bit of honesty but also a little bit of support to your players uh, doesn't go amiss
0: I just want to get your opinion Stephen on, on, Le- on the kind of job Les Kiss is doing as director of rugby I think this is his third season as director of rugby now obviously they brought in John O'Gibbs and Dwayne Peel to freshen it up a bit this year but he's obviously the man responsible is kind of patience wearing a bit thin amongst the Ulster supporters? Oh, Are they happy, or how would you? Don't don't talk don't talk to me. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like it, it, it's bizarre. Like you know, as as you kind of refer to there, the results haven't been that bad. You know, they're not that bad. But when we do come up against the big teams. You know those small cracks just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you know you go away to La Shell and you get you get an absolute hockey in the end, and you know Leinster coming to fast made it so so easy for them. Um, so yeah, I think it's just the amount of the amount of points that the the team's conceding, and who's in charge of defence, Les Kiss. You know, he's he's the man that was brought in as a director director rugby, but ultimately he's in charge of of the defense, and it's just not working. Um, and again, just the kind of the kind of fella he is. He's a, as Luke will back me up in this. He's such a nice guy. You know, he's a really really nice guy, and he he's never been the head coach of a team before. He comes from a rugby league background, uh, so maybe he's just trying to find his feet as well. And uh, and you talk about. You know, this is his third season. People are going well. He's been given time. You know, the first year, second year, everybody's like, "Oh, you know, give him another season, see what he's, see how he's going to get on." But he's been given time, and the results, yes, they're okay at the minute. But you know, in the next six weeks, I think a a, a lot could be uh, a lot could be said for
0: Les Kiss. Is, is he job a def- if, things,
1: if things don't go go
0: well over the next six weeks? Do you think he's a defense coach, Luke, who's maybe a bit out of his depth, leading a team or leading a team of coaches?
2: I don't. I don't think so. Like I look at Ulster, and you know, you know, even with my Leinster hat on, I have to say they've been really unlucky to have I mean you look I uh, could see it as like was an outstanding bit of business you look at the situation with Paddy Jackson and Stuart Olin two fairly crucial players for them I mean, look at Jared Payne being injured with. with like, and he would be the Jared Payne would probably be a leader for them defensively actually, I actually have no doubt he would be and he's an excellent defender so like I, I, I agree with Stevie I say like you know you, you do want you need the, you, the guys these guys are injured or these guys aren't playing for whatever reason the team needs to be able to survive even without that you look at Leinster they can survive without Sean O'Brien they could probably survive without Johnny Sexton look at how, how well Ross Burns playing and um, you know, and I think they probably need to be able—they need to be able to survive better. And I think defensively, it's the first thing you should be able to get fixed. And look, I know, like Les Kiss is an unbelievable defensive coach. I just think, for whatever reason, they seem to be struggling there. And Stevie's definitely better qualified to talk about maybe their misgivings or their their failings there. I would personally say that they're probably missing Jared Payne a bit. They're missing a bit of experience as well, probably in Andrew Trimble and Tommy Bow. They've kind of been missing through injury here and there. But they're um, there now. They're just not. They are okay. there. Yeah, they are there. But like I think that they're, they're, look, you got some new guys coming in. You got Stockdale. Who's, let's face it is An absolute Rolls Royce, he looks like a serious player, but you still have a few. There's still the, the puzzle isn't complete there, and they know a few things that are kind of you know they have a temporary solution at out half. They look to me, they've you know, John Cooney's come and done a super job, um, but he's still finding his feet up there as well. There's a big you know, he's shouldering a fairly heavy burden up there, you know. So I think they've been really unlucky. If I look at them from a distance, and I think, uh, you know, I'm glad to see, I think that those two signings are really good bits of business. Um, I hope they get to show, I hope they, you know. By the time that they're up there, that Les Kisses still has this kind of deck of cards to, to, to pick from because I think it'll make a big difference to them. Um, but I look at them and I just think they're really unlucky, and I understand the frustration from, from Ulster supporters' perspective. Um, and you want to see that, like, defence should be your, you know, you need to hang your hat on that. You, like every great team, you look at Saracens at the moment, they're the standard bears. Um, you know, you look at the Leinster teams that, that, that I was involved in. you look at the Munster teams that won. Um, you know, every one of those teams has a really, really good defence, you know, and I think they, they need to get that sword really quickly and I think they've got the right guy at the helm it's just whether is he actually doing enough of that you know like I mean that's, he is an unbelievable defensive coach you saw what he did with Ireland for, for Grand Slam and for that period that he was the defensive coach he's an outstanding defensive coach There's no, no doubt about that he's got the you know he has the CV to back that up my thing with him is, I just wonder, is he actually spending the time on it? As a head coach, he's probably overseeing lots of different things. He's probably looking at, you know, he probably would be heavily involved with recruiting players, um, you know, and different things like that and, d- and the overall direction of the team, logistics. He, he'll have a hand in all those things. But, you know, if I was him, I'd be spending a little bit, of you know, as much time as I can sorting this one thing out. Because if you can do that, you can, oh, straight away with the, with, the, with the talent they have, they could be a real threat.
0: And I guess, Stephen, over the next, I think, five or six weeks, they have the back-to-backs against Harlequins, and then they have three Pro 12 or Pro Pro-14 derbies in a row against Connacht, Munster, and Lancer. So Ulster could be going into a real purple patch after this, or the, or the wheels could be pretty much off the season already. Yeah, t-
1: totally agree. I disagree with Luke on uh, Marcel could see it being a good bit of business. 400 grand a game
2: really isn't really a good bit of business like, to be fair. <laughs> well, I think he's... <laughs> the numbers on back me up, Steve. But fairness, my point was that they've been really unlucky because I think he was a brilliant yeah, yeah, player totally. before, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, thanks it, for pulling me up on that, man. I appreciate no,
1: it. <laughs> no, no. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt, there's no doubt of, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, of his capabilities. Like, he's mm. probably one of the best carriers and we've seen that in the first game against against the, the Cheetahs how, how effective he was so yeah uh, but you're right the next the next six weeks is um, I, I think if it goes badly uh, there's going to be change um the Ulster supporters are crying out for change at the minute um, and, and I'm kind of saying you know stick with it kind of judge judge the guys over the next you know three or four weeks and see how it goes obviously Harlequin's getting a good win last week against uh, against uh, Saracens you know scoring in the last minute that'll give them a lot of belief getting into Sunday's game uh, against Ulster so you know their backs are going to be against the wall and yes they have a, a couple of local derbies but if they can come out, come out the right side of this then it'll set their season up well if they don't then you know it's backs against the wall for the rest of the season and more pressure is going to you know mount on Les Kiss because you know as a collective I think there's a lot of things wrong within Ulster rugby. but who's going to bear the brunt of all, all, all this It's going to be Les Kiss the man who's on who's on the big money and in, in charge of the team and um, you know he's going to he's going to Fall on his own sword I think if, if things don't go his own way
0: Yeah I guess brother, Over the last maybe Five years or so You know Ulster we'll sort have of gone through So many coaching changes You know Neil Doak You know Alan Clark. You know I think Joe Baccarat Was in there For a season or two You know uh, Brian McLaughlin was there There's, there's so many coaching And at the, at the end of the day I guess do, do some of these young players Need to look in the mirror and, and, Or do we need to question How good these guys Actually are if, they've, if they haven't been able To keep a coach there For a couple of seasons
1: yeah, it's it's a funny one like in you know back in 2006 2007 we won the league in, uh the Celtic League as it was back then and then the following year we, we changed coach and then we changed coach again and you know sometimes it's not about just keeping changing coaches until you find the right one it's about uh, you know players taking responsibility getting a good group of senior players uh, together um, getting a good leadership group together I, I, I'm working on it instead of just changing coaches left right and center and you know Brian McLaughlin was let go uh, straight after the World Cup or the Heineken the Cup uh, final against Leinster you know, <laughs> that's, that's pretty tough to take when your, your head coach brings you the a final of a European Cup the first time Ulster had been there in what 13 or 14 years it was and then all of a sudden he sacked at the end of the season it's a, such a strange decision and I don't think they've recovered since that decision um, you know Brian was a homegrown uh, guy from, from Northern Ireland he understood the culture the history and everything that went uh, went with Ulster and I think they've just been missing that ever since. And, you know, maybe somebody like that, somebody with homegrown, you look at Neil Doak, Jeremy Davison, you Noel know, Alan Clark, all these guys were involved. And, and now it just seems to be, you know, guys with lots of experience coaching around the world, but nobody actually homegrown from from Ulster and, and given their bit. So uh, maybe they need to go back and look at what Brian put on the table um, all those years ago and uh, when, when he first came on board. Mm.
2: Yeah, I hadn't even thought that. It. It's because I, I got I got a bit of coaching from Brian when I was in uh, when I first started off in the Irish team. He's uh, excellent coach, and I, I've only ever heard good things about Doki as well. Um, do you think it makes a difference when you're being? Co- do you guys prefer to be coached by a homegrown coach per se? I don't there, know. I think like as a player, you're so focused on trying to get in the team and wanting the team to do well that you don't really care where the person's from. Uh, from my own perspective, personally. I I, I completely agree with Stevie. I love that Leo Cullen's in charge of Leinster. I really do. I think it's nice to have someone there that um, knows what it's all about playing for the province. You know, that that bit of Irish passion that all the provinces have in different ways. um, You know, that that familiarity with the local environment. I think it makes it a little bit easier to bed in around the place and to sell the product because you know what people want. And... um, you know, I think that's a really interesting point that Stevie's made. You know, I don't know if there's been many guys from Ulster that have done the head coaching job there um, in, in, in quite a long time. Well, they know, got rid of Mark McCall a good while ago. Yeah, he's well, he's on the look, look
1: how good he's been, <laughs> you? you know. You, you just look at the team as
2: well. Look, and you you kind of,
1: you know, you take the Irish guys away when they go out of camp, you know, or when they go into camp with the Irish team. So you have, you have a lot of guys who have come in from South Africa who are, you know, Irish qualified. You have guys like Charles Piatow, Jared Payne, you know, coming in from New Zealand, um, you know. I think the team that took the pitch against the Southern Kings, there was three guys from Ulster that mm, started that game. Yeah. Everybody else, and look, I know, I know, guys that are serving their time, and you know, are eligible to play for for Ireland after three years and, and, and all the crack uh, with that. However, I think you need some, <laughs> you need some local guys in the team um, because it means so much to them. Like it really, really does. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't mean as much to to the guys coming in, but it's 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 a hard one to take but I think you need a little bit of that in your squad and you look at the Leinster squad you know they've just got so many guys from Leinster who are chomping at the bit to get onto that Leinster team and it makes for great competition and uh, you know when you have all those coaches that are foreign all those players that are foreign and the guys are down in Dublin I'm sure it's I'm sure it can be difficult at times when it when it gets
2: sticky at training yeah, and I think as well. Like it's 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 a really good point you make because I think, you know, even I think it was the first year. I think I saw some of the kings in the Kings band that there was you know a few seats not not uh, not being filled, yeah. and I was just thinking. Like it's way if you if you were in school, like I mean, I, I you know, some of the guys, like a Joey Carby was in was in BlackRock, I'd go and watch a match just to see how he's getting on or and, and like oh, obviously I know all the other guys as well just from playing with them, but what you have a bit of a connection to the team? You know, you get guys like I mean, the made the people that come up from Carlo to watch the matches when Shawnee O'Brien's playing. Um, you know, those kind of things are important. I'm sure you get a Monaghan contingent coming up, you know, to watch a Tommy Bow, whatever it may be. Um like those things are kind of important I think for, for a local team you look at uh, you know most of the teams that have been successful you look at Munster you know you look at Simon Zebo going he's a Cork lad you get a big Cork contingent coming up to watch him all the kids love coming up uh, Peter O'Mahony yeah Conor Murray bringing in the Limerick lads you'll have a Kerry group coming in to see JJ Hanron those kind of things are important I think personally as a, as a supporter you want to go I mean if it if it not to, not to call anyone a mercenary but essentially you know that's sometimes what it can be viewed as I mean I know when we played other teams uh, like definitely in Leinster we were playing teams that uh, not not you no know, Irish teams really, but other teams, you know, English teams or French teams saying, lads these guys will crack after 60 minutes they don't want it as much as we have they're only here for the money they're mercenaries I know that was the talk in the change room uh, and we always believed that we had a little bit more in the tank because we, we were playing for our family we were playing for the local club we you know, we're playing for all our mates uh, and sure specific Steve, teams uh, sorry specific teams uh, nothing comes to mind I, 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 I just know it was said uh, I can't think of I would think maybe a rassing maybe was one of them I think we had a few um, who else would it have been against jeez you're, you're putting me on the spot where I can't just curious I mean, to lose would have been one absolutely that's a, yeah that's because i mean i think they've completely lost their way and you look at some of the, the local talent that they had that's all gone now um lots of teams like we always felt that coming into the tough per- periods in the game we were going to be able to dig deeper because we wanted a little bit more and steve you know the same thing i'm sure especially as a back row lad who's like pretty much putting your body on the line every week having a, you know playing for ulster definitely meant a little bit more th- than someone coming up from the southern hemisphere playing for i don't know an english team or a french team would you would you agree <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, I, I definitely would. And, you know, just to go back to that Ulster team, you know, that took the pitch and, you know, loose head prop is, is, is uh, you know, fr- from from England, Callum Black and then, you know, Rob Herring, who served his time, he's African, And then, you know, Vian Herbst is African, Alan O'Connor is from, from Leinster. You know, Kieran Treadwell is from England. Sean Reedy is from New Zealand. You know, Chris Henry. Whoa, well, oh, we've finally got one Ulster guy <laughs> who's, who's from Ulster. Uh, on the team and then you know you, you, you go somebody like uh, you know another Wait. foreign back Robbie Diak in the back yeah. row yes he's he's played for Ireland but he's another South African John Cooney he's from down south Christian Lelefano he's from Australia you know Charles Pia he's from New Zealand where does it, where does it end you know and, but even uh, of
2: all those people that you've named there like the only guy you'd really say out there that is real I mean like Chris Henry, and now I know it's most sevens are probably like that, but he's probably the only the first guy you think of out of that group of players. You say that lad will put his head where you wouldn't put your foot, you know. Because yeah. and I feel like it's probably because he loves it up there so much, it's from he's putting it on the putting his body on the line for for his home province, you know. And I think that's such a good point you make. I hadn't even really considered that, really, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because obviously this topic has been brought up a lot this week with Piero and and. You know, in contract negotiations and I've heard a few people talking that the IRFU can almost use his love of Munster as a bargaining tool in their favour because they realistically know that he does not want to leave really unless the money is so terrible they're offering him that he kind of has to so they can almost like offer him slightly less than his market value in the hope that he will stay purely because he loves Munster so much Playing
2: a very dangerous game for me I'd say
0: that's probably in their thought
2: process though I think you might be right, but I think that, I tell you now that guy is like he's got a young family, um, and you know I think he he's come to a stage in his career where he's gonna he, he needs to be maximising his values at the peak of his powers, and I think that is playing a really dangerous game with a really important part of the puzzle down there, especially with a new coach coming in, uh, Simon Zebo leaving. Who let's face it, he's box office down in Munster. He's bringing in the supporters. He's putting bums on seats. Peter Mahoney is one of those guys for them. And I think as well, if you're looking to attract in some talent from abroad, guys like that are really important. You you know, they're part of the product with, with Munster. You need those guys. Like they'd be part of I know when, when we were getting guys like Easton and the Seaway in that Brian O'Driscoll Driscoll is playing uh for, for Leinster. Easton and sea wants to come and play with Brian because the, he'll bring in the support. He's a great player. Peter Peter he's one of those guys. And it's really interesting point I mean, What do you think, Stevie? I mean, I, I just think that that'd be a real big mistake letting someone like him go.
1: Yeah, I think so. Like look, you've been in a similar situation to me. I suppose if there are a few Give you you know put a contract in front of you and say this is what it is. You're not just going to say yes straight away and go thanks very much. You know of course you're going to turn it down and try and get a better offer. So I think there's there's a lot of hype and a lot of talk over this, Um, but I I definitely feel that you know Pete's just playing the game um, and and making sure that he gets his market value out of the RFU and um, if he if he stays patient and you know hopefully he'll get that and he'll be a monster player. Uh, But you know it's going to be. It's gonna be very interesting over the next uh, the, the next few months, but I believe it's gonna get sorted out and um you know Peter's gonna be a Munster player going forward. As do I, in fairness, to be honest. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we'll just look
0: ahead to the weekend now. Back to back Champions Cup game starting and we have Ulster, Harlequins, Leinster, Exeter, and Munster, Leicester. So it's a good kind of Pro 14 versus a Viva Premiership, you know, in, in all three games. Um we had a discussion with Rowan a couple of weeks ago about the Pro fourteen versus the premiership in terms of Which league was better? Which one was more exciting to watch? So this will be a good little test.
2: I think it is. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'm really interested. It's great, you know, interesting to get Stevie on the show because we haven't had an Ulster you know, uh, view um, so far on on the podcast. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I mean, I could see them turn them over twice. I could see them losing to them twice as well. You saw what they were capable of against Saracens, but I think if they're, if Ulster's pack get it right, they have enough behind the scrum to really do some damage. That that's the big question with them. I think Bestie is is really important for them. If he's a big game, if Ian Henderson is a big game, they need to lead from the front. It's they're they're going to be really really important to, to how Ulster do. But I know if they can come away, uh, you know, if if you know, obviously the, there's going to be a big challenge playing over in the Stoop, but. I mean, Ravenhill, you'd have to back them. And I think if they can come out of those two uh, games with a win, they could be sitting really well um, in the group La Rochelle at home. And I think, you know, you'd have to say that, you know, you'd hope they might be able to get through. Um, you know, if they these two ones are absolutely crucial. These are always the crucial ones, goes without saying. But that's what I'm really interested to hear Stevie's opinion on how he feels that one will go.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Look, you think, um, you know, before Harlequins played Saracens last week, I was optimistic saying, geez, you know, Ulster can get two wins out of two here and you know get themselves uh, back into the mixer with, with in the European competition and and then Harlequins go and win and I'm like oh no <laughs> Ulster could, Ulster, could, Ulster could lose these next two fixtures and then there'd be more and more pressure and the European dreams over and blah 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 but I think I think you know you got to be realistic and if Ulster made a quarter final I think that would be a success this season they're not, a, they're not a team for me. They don't have a big enough pack. They don't have big men in the back row. When you lose, Marcel could see has mm-hmm. you know, been out injured for a good bit of the season. Um, I, I just don't think they have the personnel to, to be a European Cup winning side. So, you know, you can have all the class you want behind it behind the scrum, but, you know, most of the big games are won or lost up front. and um, They just don't have a big enough pack for me. So, yeah. Harlequins is going to be a good test for them, and you know we all know Harlequins are capable of beating anybody on their day. But I think Ulster are a bit like that, Um, so hopefully make for a bit of an entertaining game on Sunday. And again, it's only a five-day turnaround. Ulster play them next Friday night, so uh, there's going to be a few tired and sore bodies, and hopefully nobody picks up any injuries, uh, because that could be key. Because I think Ulster's squad. The last thing it needs is a couple of injuries to a couple of big uh, key guys. Um, if that happens, you know, they're going to be under the pump even more. So, yeah, I think it's it's in the balance the next two weeks for Ulster. But we'll um, weave it a lot. Hopefully they come out the right side of it.
2: Who will go with tight head for you guys? I mean, obviously Marler is, is a bit of a weapon for them. Um, you know, if they can keep it yeah. quiet there. that's I worry about Ulster there. Uh, who's yeah, who's going to go with tight head for them?
1: I don't know if you watched the the dragons game there at the weekend. You know, the, the, they more or less got run over their own line by a dragons, uh, a, a dragons couple of dragons malls. You know, the, it was literally like so easy, like concerning easily okay. how uh, the dragons got across the line. And you know, the dragons are no big shakes when it comes to having a big pack. So I think Harligans will look at look look at the video over the next week and say, right, we're going to take them, these boys on up front. Uh, we're going to maul them. Um, I know Harlequins have got a lot of pace behind their their scrum as well, but um, yeah. But I think they might go with Ross Cain who's a, who's a local guy who's who's been doing quite well. Ian Hurts is out injured, uh, so yeah. It's either Ross Cain or you know andy worked him off the bench and played played tight head but uh yeah ross kane and it's a bit of a toss of a coin between callum black and van der merve a lo- loose head i think so yeah. yeah and then rory in the middle but yeah it's it's for for me they just don't have the, the ball cars and i've been harping on and banging this drum for the last two years like so they get marcel in and then he gets injured so <laughs> i'm gonna keep banging the drum
0: <laughs> uh, another game i guess that is a Huge onifications is Munster, Leicester, on Saturday night at mm. Park because, kind of a bit like Ulster, when you look at the record they've had this season, you know, they, I think they've won seven out of ten as well in, in the league. They've won one in Drama, one in Europe. It looks all rosy, but obviously, Rosie Erasmus is gone, Johan Van Grams has come in. They're playing a very tough Leicester team. George Ford, Johnny May are really firing behind the scrum. Yeah. So, if this goes wrong for Van Grams in one of his first big games, it would get him off to a very, very bad start.
2: Yeah, well, it's a difficult one for them. They have a bit of history with Leicester as well. It seems. I think they're really
0: vulnerable con- this Saturday, to be honest, Munster.
2: Yeah, they, they could well be. And there's a lot of chat about different things. I would say that, you know, I think they'll be difficult uh, to beat. I think Murray back makes such a big difference to him with his kicking. His kicking was a little bit off, I think, for Munster, but it looked like it was really on for Ireland. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the Leinster game. I just thought he was just a little off at the boot. And I think he's such a big part of the puzzle. He's such a classy player. He's an absolute Roll- Rolls-Royce. Um, I think if, you know, as long as they get the heads right, you know, regarding the Omaha and, and CJ uh, standard kind of stories, which I'm sure they will do. Um, and Murray goes well, I could see them could see them win it. I could see I think it'll be a tight game though. I think Leicester look like they're they're actually going really well and they'd be really dangerous. I mean Johnny May is just a try machine and he's just a nightmare. Any kind of drop balls, any mistakes, anything like that he's on it like, and there's just no catching the guy. So, um, they have to be on on the ball. George Ford as well. has difficulties from the deck, which isn't, It's like, you know, it's not helpful for any top team. He doesn't seem to be as good. He's definitely not, a, you know, uh, an international class kicker from, from the deck yet. I um, probably won't get a chance to obviously really develop that skill with Owen Farrell going so well, but, um, you know, that is something that they might have, you know, they might kind of well, I suppose they're probably even each other out. Um, maybe not at the but um see that being a tight one, you know, weather dependent as well. I mean, I think Munster probably better equipped to do better. I think uh, you know, Ben Young's a quality player, but Connor Murray's a rolls Royce, definitely head and shoulders buff. So I think he can be the kind of key, he's the fulcrum of the match for me. If he plays well, I can see Munster going well and win winning, winning out in a in a tight one. Yeah, Stephen, what, what are you making of Munster at the moment? Obviously it must be quite difficult for a
0: new coach to come in so close to the the biggest games of the season almost.
1: Yeah definitely actually uh, I was with Razi Erasmus there a few weeks ago before the South Africa game and I was chatting away to him and he really enjoyed his time at Munster and and, you know, an opportunity for him to come up to, to go back to South Africa. And he's he's obviously went went that way. But I think he's put a lot of good foundations in place. Um, he believes that this coach is going to take the team forward. And, you know, I think this is probably a big test for them against Leicester, who's who's come off a defeat against wash you know, last weekend. So they'll, they'll be trying to get everything back on track, I think. You know the Leicester team aren't the Leicester of old with the big, massive second rows and the you know the the, the scrum that just pushes anybody off the ball. And you know they're trying to play a, a little bit more of an expansive game and a, and a better brand of rugby. I think they're in a bit of a transitional period, um, and you know I think they're struggling slightly in the Premiership. But you know there is history as Luki talked about between Leicester and Munster, and uh, but I just see Munster edge in this one. I think they're too good at home in Thomond Park.
0: And I guess more news tonight, Luke, was that uh, Leinster opted against registering James Lowe for this Sunday's game against Exeter. I guess in the face of Leinster fans, might be surprised because he was so good in his debut two tries against Treviso. But the basically rule is that you can have two non-European players. But for whatever agreement is in place with the Champions Cup, it basically comes down to two Australian and New Zealanders. So they had to pick two out of James and Gibson Park, James Lowe and Scott Fardy. And it looks like for this Sunday anyway, they've gone for Gibson Park and Fardy. But are you still surprised that Leo Cullen didn't opt to maybe rejig the squad slightly and bring know. in James Lowe?
2: I don't know. I think James Gibson gives a park playing really well. Hard to, and it's such a, you know, like I said, I mean, obviously Murray's pretty in a different scale, but, um, you know, nine is such an important position in these games. I think Fardy's been going really well. I wouldn't be rocking the boat there. East and the Sea would be back as big. Uh, you know, Adam Byrne has just come off an international. But I guess um, why are you paying level. a guy, you know, Five hundred yeah, grand look, if you're not going to uh, play him in the, big, what I would in the biggest say games. Is long term this could work out really well. He's come back. Obviously he's come in. He knows the system now. There's a few weeks training with the team, um, and I think he's just come off a very long season. Exactly. I, I think it, it might make sense in that you know, given them, given the two weeks off, let him train, let him have a break, whatever it is he needs to do to get his body right, and give him a bit of a chance to have a break because you see lots of guys coming in off the back of doing two seasons in a row essentially, and their body kind of breaks down towards the end. So could work out being a really good thing. Obviously we'd love to see him out. You know, it's, he's, he looks like a really exciting talent. He was. Top try score, I think, in, in uh, Super Rugby last year. So um, he's an exciting talent. He looked good in the weekend as well. Uh, look, it looks like he'll be an easy fit for the team. They play a fast brand of rugby under Stuart Lancaster, and training is meant to be rapid. So um, I think he'll fit into the system well, is the point. Um, disappointing not to see him, but I think it probably makes sense. I think they've been pragmatic about it. Say, you know, they don't want to put, um, you know, Nick McCarthy in having not really been in the team the last the last little bit, you know. Uh, and I think Jameson Gibson Park is actually, he's kind of become important. To them, you know, I think like Luke McGrath is like, you know, he's a leader in the team. We know he's the, he's the starting guy, but James against the park has a bit of X factor. It's nice to have to bring him in off the bench and such a, like essentially, those guys are probably touching the ball 80 or 90 times in a game. Um, so, you need good guys there and guys who are comfortable in the system. And I wouldn't be rocking the boat for these two games, it's kind of too important for, for me. And, and I think what I would say is Exeter look outstanding. They look like they've got a brilliant scrum. They're brilliant against Montpellier away. I don't know if you caught that one, Will. Yeah, um, I don't know. Scored number 11. Oh, what a finish. I don't know if you could you see that one, Stevie. You mean, I mean, I just yeah, think did, yeah. what a win. Like, Exeter looked like a special outfit to me. I think they look, they're the form team in Europe for me off the back of those first two games. I know Leinster were really, really good in the first two, but um, Jesus, they just look so good. And you, and you don't, like, they don't really have any. Huge names like they have a like it sort of Jack Noel but aside from that, well, like Ian Whitten and Gareth Steenson, you know, yeah. <laughs> they could only do with Gareth Steenson yeah. at the moment,
1: <laughs> yeah. They could, I, yeah, but I well, watched that game, and you know, it just shows that if you have a good team morale, a, you know, a great workplace, you know, the, I know the boys enjoy themselves after games, everybody has a sociable beer, beer together, everybody kind of feels a part of it. Um, you know, we've all heard these initiation stories and all the rest of it, but I think there <laughs> generally is a really, really good buzz about about Exeter and um, the brand of rugby that they play is just really exciting to watch. You know, they run it from their own line. You know, they identify weaknesses in teams and, you know, they go, right, Montpellier, they've got this big, strong pack, they've got these big wingers, they're going to tire at some stage, let's just keep playing rugby and they just kept going and going and going and they never know when they're done Um, and uh, yeah I watched that game and obviously Nadolo's try was spectacular probably one of the tries of the season but no Exeter for me deserved to win it and um, I think the dark horse this season for for
2: the European Cup yeah he must be an unbelievable coach what do you think Stevie I I look at him from afar you look at where he's taken them from, from from first division and like like you said, the the morale, the belief, in the way they play, everyone's comfortable on the football. <laughs> um, they look like they've got even set piece, all that kind of stuff. Sort of, they get good guys in, like they get, you know, I, I, you know, I think was it Dean Mum was there for a while. He looked like he really yep. bad, and he was brilliant there for a little bit. You know, they get not necessarily stellar names. Maybe that's not the attraction of You know, you probably don't have the money or the attraction to do that. Even though I think financially I they want actually want a really good model. But like, well, extra penny is gorgeous. I really? unbelievably nice Yeah. I so, apologise. Um, people of Exeter. No, look, Some good pubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, look man, I, I just think that um it's just an incredible job and he probably doesn't get enough mentions, but geez, like that, that guy Baxter must be an unbelievable coach. You, did you ever think that, Stevie, when you're watching them?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, obviously Gareth Steenson and Ian Whitten who um you know I chat to the odd time and uh they, they rave about him, you know, they, they just love him. Um and I think it's kinda the tr- there's a there's a massive trust between coach and players and uh, everybody kinda buys into what rob baxter's putting on the table and you know it's obviously working another friend of mine a guy called john andreas played with him for a couple of years said he's the best coach he's ever worked with um and this is somebody who's stuck with him from division one to into the premiership and to to win the premiership title last year it just shows you the caliber of the guy i know there was a lot of talk before eddie jones got the job about him maybe getting into the english setup but what a job he's done with exeter and and has looked kind of alluded to there he's not the it's not all these world beaters he's not going out and spending half a million here and half a million there on a charles pietz or uh somebody like that to come in they they trust in in the players that they have and they give guys you know big starts and big games and they just seem to deliver which which is just incredible
0: Mm. yeah steve while i have you here i'd like to get your opinion on uh, i guess mark mccall obviously he's done such a great job with saracens and and a lot of people, I think Irish fans, you know, the game only became popular here a few years ago. So they probably don't even remember that Mark McCall did coach Ulster, <laughs> you know, before and you know won a, a Celtic League with them. Like, what do you remember? What could you maybe t- tell us a bit about his style? W- would are you surprised with how much success he's had, or, or what kind of coach he was?
1: Um, yeah, of course I am. Of course I'm a little bit surprised because he's done so so well. Um, he obviously disappeared to France for a while, um, and then went into into Saracens, and Saracens are just. Went from strength to strength, um, but I think again, it's a it's another team with this this enjoyable culture you hear about this wolf pack and everything. And you know, I, I think a lot of teams have got sure, stuff from, from the movie
2: The Hangover. <laughs> you're confusing that with, with Sarri's mate <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure their team earnings would be like the hangover earnings to be honest <laughs> here, but here, you never know uh, but yeah of, of course I'm surprised he won a Celtic Cup and he won the Celtic League with Ulster he gave me my first cap for Ulster against um, the, the Border Reavers who are now disbanded obviously uh, but yeah, a, a good coach And but when the pressure came on at Ulster I think we lost four or five games in a row he was the man that was going to you know, face the chop and and, and he left um, What was he good at? He was a good man manager he wasn't really hands on and I think he, he's not the type of coach that's going to be at Saracen's training ground shouting and barking and telling the guys what plays you are going to run I think he's kind of more stands back and lets coaches do their jobs instead of trying to manage everything um, and I think that's really, really important. And, um, and last year, um, knowing, speaking to a couple of the other coaches, like Alan Clark and Neil Doak, you know, they didn't get any coaching time. Uh, when Les Kiss came in, he was very hands-on and wanted to be in control of everything. And I think as a, as a head coach or as a director, you got to let guys do their jobs. Um, it's really, really important. And so that they feel wanted as, as well as the players. Um, and I think that they've got the balance just right. Uh, at Saracens and it speaks volumes for what they've achieved you know and everybody says to me Stevie is Mark McGall going to ever come back to Ulster why would you come back to <laughs> Ulster when you've got a job like that at Saracens
0: <laughs> yeah
2: well, could he ever be the Ireland coach you think Luke? he could well be I mean it, you can't argue with the CV he never gets mentioned people no, always forget about him he doesn't you know and I think like it's probably down to what Stevie said I think people feel like he probably doesn't get enough credit for that I mean I think the, you know the environment in fairness that the owners have set up in or the environment that they wanted to create um, in Saracens you know maybe Maybe that's probably the reason why people he's probably not talked about, because they've run up this massive deficit at the club as well and things like that. You know They're probably just able to write off all this debt that they have. Um, and maybe people know about the culture that they're trying to set there. As Stevie said, the, the Wolfpack, uh, even though I've never heard that, but the, the wolf um, I suppose, uh, analogy for them, oh, you'd have to have a good guy at the helm. And it's great, it's interesting to hear Stevie say that he was a brilliant man-manager. I mean, if you can get the right people for, for someone like that, you'd have to think that they're going to flourish. And if he, he's, a, he's a, I suppose as well, interesting to hear Stevie say about the coaches. You know, he's letting them coach. He's a, he's able to say, do you know, I, I, I you know I got this guy in, I trust him to do his job. I, I back his abilities as well as just the players, not just the players. It's, and he backs those guys. And it's obviously you can see it in how Saracens play. You know, it, everyone really enjoys it. They're all up for each other. They're all... And obviously, they, look, they have a great recruiting system. I mean, some of the young guys coming through with Toge and that. I mean... Right standing, It's funny because the coach that Ireland currently have,
0: obviously Joe Schmidt a very hands-on coach so it would be going completely against what he's been doing to get in a
2: kind of more of a director of rugby Style. Yeah, but I think like that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I think people need to change every now and then. I think you know you either have to, you know it's kind of the Alex Ferguson thing, you know. You either have to change the players or the manager, and um, you know for for the moment Ireland have been able to change all the players. I mean, you look at you know you know your your Paul O'Connell's, your uh, Brian O'Driscoll's, your Shane Horgan's, your Ronan O'Gara's. All these guys are gone now but Joe seems to be able to just keep going all the way through. Um, your, your Stevie, Farris your Stevie is Ferris, what? your <laughs> Lukey <laughs> Fitzes. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? It's kind of it's an interesting way you know so they, like in Ireland the players have have, have moved on as in so and, and Joe has been able to stay there throughout this kind of five four is it four or five years at this stage now he's, he's at the helm and have an incredible success and you know that'll be interesting because you can't have the same guys listen to the same message over and over again so someone like him could be very good he could bring on you know the coaches might um, like give that you know some of the assistant coaches might come out of their shell a bit more Ireland might get better that way whatever it may, may be whenever Joe decides to move on you might have a different style and people might really warm to that and they might really excel in that environment. So we don't know. Interesting though, a point you make, he hasn't been mentioned in, in that and he's like, you know, he's, I think is our joint most successful coach of all time in terms of European Cup rugby. So um, very interesting to see how, how he progresses and if he becomes a, you know, when, when the conversation, when it comes time for the conversation about Joe Schmidt's success or whether he's in the conversation.
0: guess
2: mm. like why we have you and Steve
0: here, just looking back on your time together when you guys mm. played, you know, winning Grand Slams and stuff. Like one Grand
2: your, Slam I wish it was Grand Slam Grand it's Just Slam the one just, just a singular <laughs> yeah. Take it while you're offering um, <laughs> like what's, your, what's your best memory Of playing with Steve? I think our first cap Stevie wasn't That it? It was a great old day yeah, For me yeah. uh, We both played We both played I mean, myself, Jamie Heaslip, and Stevie Ferris. We all we all got on great as well. It was a nice little bunch. We played a few years together. Unfortunately, myself and Stevie were uh, bags of wind, little brittle fellas. Um, <laughs> we we couldn't keep going as long as Jamie did. But um, that was a real special memory for me, and I'll never forget that. I remember doing the little haka after the uh, in the dinner afterwards with the two lads. It was uh, great bit of crack. That's a special one for me. And obviously, you know, I was injured, but you know, watching Stevie, I think uh, coming towards the end of his career, he was obviously you know. Fairly banged up, but to see him, him still going out and how destructive he was. Uh, yeah, he, do you have any great stories of Stephen Ferris being a beast in training? Uh, no, he <laughs> <laughs> no, I have one. He, he, he actually he call, he gave me an old uh, grade two. Uh, AC. So thanks a lot for that, Stevie. I'm still it's still not right. Oh, uh, still I can't sleep on the right show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a few people have Stephen Fair stories like that. I'm sure no. to,
1: a grade two MCLs
2: is the worst It is, unfortunately. Absolute stick, man. No, but look, it was it was you know, it's funny, we all have to come together from different uh, different backgrounds, different places, you know. And uh, you know, me and Stevie would have always got on uh, got on great in camp, even though we probably come from 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 two different uh two different parts of Ireland. So it was uh nice to have that special memory where we, we, we started off our, our international careers together I suppose
0: yeah and for you Steve like what what's your favourite memory about playing with Luke was it, must be Grand Slam must be up there
1: yeah definitely I think I had a, a lot of admiration for Luke he was um, a bit like himself a very explosive very powerful and when he attacked training you know games he went 100 miles an hour all the time and i kind of have a lot of respect for that you know he he didn't just kind of get through the odd game you know every time he touched the ball he he just kind of turned into a different a different animal altogether so um i just love watching him play i remember a game Watching him play for Leinster away to Northampton, and he was back from a long injury, and he just kind of set set the world alight straight away. And you know, a guy who was out for maybe six months or whatever at the time, came straight back in, and. You know, class is permanent, but injuries do catch up with us. And uh, injuries, me and me and Lucky had a fair share of injuries, like so. Made of paper mache,
2: yeah. Unfortunately, we
1: both had to hang up the boots, but uh, yeah, know Jamie's still going strong and I suppose winning their first cap. And it was a special day, too, playing in the, the last ever international at Lansdowne, at the old Lansdowne Road. So, uh, pretty good memories from that game,
0: all in all. Luke, I read your. Q&A in the Herald last week with interest when you were asked the low point of your rugby career you mentioned Declan Kidney dropping you for the World <laughs> Cup and you said he was
2: a nice fella but from a rugby perspective I hated him uh. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, look, I think, um, you know, it's hard to, you know, it, you put so much into the jersey, and Steve, you'll probably have. He, actually, in fairness, you were never really dropped, Steve. You were always just for injured. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, yeah. Why, that's why I love Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't as destructive as Steve. I wasn't as important to the team. But I think, like, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, you know, it was an interesting one. You just put so much into so much of your time, so much of your effort into the thing. And I always, I just was, you know, it just really hurt. That was all it was, just really hurt. Uh, like I said, Decky, nice fella. I meet him all the time here. You know, sorry, I don't meet him. I meet him every now and then. Lovely chap. I talk to him every now and then. He was he was on the texture there to me a while ago. But from a rugby perspective, I couldn't stand him. You know, just, uh, you know. when you What does picked, that mean? When you when you, couldn't, when you when you don't get picked, you know, you just... He just you, didn't value you, the I player couldn't, or no I just couldn't I couldn't get I just couldn't warm to him again couldn't do it it just was uh, but outside the environment like I mean look he's trying to do the, the job the best job he can I can understand that but I just completely disagree with his view and it. it was really hard for off the back to be in an environment with him all the time and I was saying like you can't get an answer Evan, when I'm trying to get when I'm saying like, what do I need to do to get better and I'm just like this isn't a fucking TV interview just give me an answer give me something that I can work with all the time so things like that were difficult well, with, they say with he Decky. speaks in riddles he does speak in riddles that is a real difficult thing with, with Decky. You know, um, to be honest with you, I know like um, you know different people have great experiences with him. Not my experience with him. You know, Um, I just found it was difficult to know what I need. You know, you I think as a player, all you really want is to go. Just give me look. I I understand. You see, this guy is probably better in the role at the moment. That's I, I can I can accept that. Now, is there anything I can do to change your mind? That you want an answer. You want something your coach should. If he's dropping you, if he's if you're putting all your all your time into it, you just want something to go away and say, listen. I, this is what I need to do. I can focus on this now. If you don't get that, it's very difficult.
0: Yeah, Steve, Luke's getting very flustered in the studio. You, 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 you can't <laughs> see him. Very animated here. Yeah, you can't see him, but his hands are going wild.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure. Oh, see, well, you, you, you you know what I mean. Like it's it's a difficult one when a coach is I mean, I don't know if you've ever been dropped, but it is difficult when you don't get an answer. You just you just want something to take away so you can work on to, to make yeah, it work well going to the gym or especially or on
1: the especially when the team's not really playing that well, you know, and you think you deserve an opportunity a 2007 World Cup. I you know, went away to that and never got selected, never got an opportunity to get on, uh to get on the team. And, you know, Simon Easterby and Dennis Leamy and Neil Best and those guys were playing rubbish and I was just scratching <laughs> the head going, like, you know, why am I not getting a, get given an opportunity? Um, whether or not they, they just don't have enough belief in you or enough confidence in you, but you know, at the end of the day, they're being paid to make decisions. And I think um what's really refreshing about the the, the Irish team at the minute is that Joe kind of keeps everybody on their toes and everybody kind of almost feels like they have a have a chance of getting selected. And it doesn't really matter who you are. If you're, you know, Johnny Sexton, you have two or three bad games, you know, he's going to be on your case about potentially getting dropped. Where when Decky was in, in charge, it, it seemed, seemed to be the same team that was wheeled out fairly consistently. And, and Luke, you'll probably agree with me on that. And um, it's brilliant to see that the minute the Irish team. Kind of the strength and depth that they're 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 kind of getting at the minute, and it'll stand them well going forward in the World Cup cycle.
2: Brilliant! I think it's such a good point because I think like you know you need to have people who believe that the coach you know, if they do the right things all the time it's way, hard, it's way easier to go away and work in the, you know, on your own on the pitch do extras on the pitch do extras in the gym it's way easier to do those things if you feel like the coach is going to reward you for doing those things you're going to get an, a, a fair shake of it um, and I think that's such a good thing that Joe Smith is great at I mean I remember you him think saying of the that, amount of players you could probably count about 30 players who have
0: improved in the time he's been in Ireland, more than thirty, pretty much every uh, do think he's, he's in in probably, with,
2: he's a really good reason for that. I think, is I mean, Stevie, you you were really unlucky. You I mean you only ever played in teams that it was that kind of he was coaching against them, sorry. Um, but if you if you played if you got coached by him, you'd, you'd understand why everyone improves. You know, I mean, it's a the, the relentless focus on the basics, the technical ability, and the he also has fantastic. I mean, he's he he actually is a great speaker before games, but he doesn't get enough credit for that. But he's he's superb at all those things, and also he's. Savagely creative, like you just from set piece. I mean, it got went completely unnoticed. But then one move against Argentina, or that crossfield kick, he's done it against four or five teams. I don't know how teams keep. It's when you're they, they get their blindside winger out of position, but he just the way he's able to manipulate teams. I just see it over and over again. He's just so creative, uh, and I'm just. A, I think he's a big reason. I think he improves players around him, you know. And I think like he can make odd selections from from my I, when I look at it from a distance. Like, geez, that guy's definitely playing better in a provincial setting than the guy he's selecting. But it doesn't seem to matter to him. Everyone, he's just so, such a good coach that everyone seems able to up their game and and the team like 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 Stevie was saying, everyone feels like they have a shot. So everyone actually really goes for it. And everyone really has belief in themselves that if they do play well, and I think that's a, that's an important thing. He's created that environment. Is that one of your regrets, Steve, that you didn't get to maybe be coached by by Joe?
1: Yeah, I think so. However, I'm, I'm not sure if I would have got on well with him. Um,
0: <laughs> reason being is
1: because like I obviously. Like to throw off loads. I like to make decisions. Uh, you know, I, I'm listening. All for structure and everything else. But you got to play off the cuff rugby, and I think that's something that Stuart Lancaster is trying to really bring in to Leinster. Um, they've been kind of stuck with this structure for the last number of years, and since he's come in, he's trying to trying to change that. Uh, I had a good chat with him there at the Fiji game, and he's he, he's trying to bring that in. And for me. Uh, you know, if I made a mistake and Les Kiss tried to make me look, or sorry, uh, Joe Smith tried to make me look stupid in a team meeting and try to belittle me, like you know, that wouldn't have sat well with me at all. And it kind of feels like the lads are on eggshells all the time. Um, and again, I like to enjoy my rugby. I like to be in a nice, a good environment. Um, and I think that the kind of Joe Smith intensity all the time is a good thing in in patches, but when you get into a World Cup cycle as we sit as we found out in 2015, you know, guys, guys will, guys will get tired and guys will, you know, struggle with the intensity 24 seven. And, you know, you've got to find a balance. And I think, you know, hopefully he's learned a lot of lessons from that 2015 world cup, because I know speaking to guys who were involved in that, you know, a lot of people were, were looking forward to, uh, obviously they, they wanted to progress, but, you know, it was just so intense for such a number of weeks, uh, you know, they were looking forward to their holidays after it was all over.
0: All right. just very last question, uh, I guess to, just
2: get a quick prediction from you, Luke, for the weekend for the three Irish provinces. Um, I'm actually going to go with three wins. Yeah, going to go with three wins. Uh, Leinster v. Exeter, I think is the that's the toughest of the bunch. I think, uh, but I'm thinking I think that they they might do it. They might go for a one or two point win over there because I think they're pumped up. They're ready to go, um, and they might catch Exeter off guard. Even though Exeter will be favourites over there, I think. Um, and then I think Munster and Ulster will do it as well. And Steve, what, what about yourself?
1: Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Ulster are going to struggle. I, I've obviously watched a lot of them over the last uh, the last number number of months, and they're just they're just something's just not right. Um, and you know all these close close calls, whether it be Dragons, Treviso, or whoever, um, I think it's just kind of papering over the, those cracks that have been talking about the whole show. So for for me, I think Leinster, um, a monster, will win um, and Ulster. We'll, uh, go down to an hour defeat against the
0: Harlequins ok Stephen thanks so much for joining us really appreciate it no us. worries cheers boys well that's all that. we have time for this week on the left wing thank you so much for listening to our Champions Cup preview we'll be back next week with another podcast but in the meantime you can listen to us on SoundCloud iTunes or independent.ie so until next week thanks for listening and goodbye